You're listening to Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football. The one and only podcast dedicated to providing analysis, advice, and entertainment for salary cap fantasy football players. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Kennedy and Sean McGuire. Well, gather round, everybody. It is time once again for the Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Tim Kennedy. I'm here with my good buddy, Sean. Hello. Sean, I almost didn't recognize you today when I walked in. <laughs> you you got yourself a haircut after how many months? Uh, like 19. Yeah. Like you had the full on, like bun, you'd bun your hair up and... It was I long. Was, I was jealous because if, if you haven't seen, I, you've seen me, but listeners probably haven't. Uh, I have no hair. I mean, I shave you know, mine some. off. I have it. It grows, but I, I shave it off. So I haven't had to deal with that during this, this pandemic. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a combination of the pandemic, but then also the person who's cut my hair since I was a kid re- passed away. And then I was like, and now i got to find somebody new during a pandemic. I just, but, you know, I found somebody. It worked out well. Looking good. I see you didn't mention that everybody we have in studio here. Oh, with, yeah. With us today is... Mary the Cat. Mary the Cat hanging out in the hockey hammock. Yep. Which is the top of a floor, floor hockey net that she has decided is... It's like a, it's like a hammock for her. I, I wouldn't fit in there, but... <laughs> Even even having lost the weight of my hair, I, I still wouldn't wouldn't fit in there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we do it. We have a sort of a guest host today. Yeah, she's just of sorts. Yeah, she's very quiet. But yeah, yeah. Hey, did you read the uh, the UFO report that came out recently? I should mention we're recording this a little bit early. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because we are uh, we're, we're about gonna, to go out of town. Yeah. So, um, but but the UFO report came out on Friday, so a few days ago, um. Did I saw that it? one came out, and I saw that it wasn't like you know giant like eighty five font uh, font prints in the newspaper that you know that. So I figured we didn't have an army of little green men in Roswell. No, so they, they have for sure not drawn any conclusions. What I found interesting is that the government has been looking into it since I don't know two thousand seventeen or something. I think is when it's they, the Men in Black, right? Maybe, uh, I don't. Yeah, probably. So, and there's 144 kind of cases that they took seriously, if I remember what I heard correctly, and they have um, figured out an explanation for one of them. So the rest of them, they don't have those. Are, those a, are the ones they don't have answers for. Yeah, there's 143 of them that they're still like, eh, we're not sure what was going on there. Yeah, At least that's what I heard. <laughs> and I mean, I, did you hear it from like you know the newspaper or? i heard it from the daily the, my, the problem okay. is i don't remember things as you know but yeah, we discussed this after the podcast last week that yeah there's a difference between between you and i in terms of um remembering certain certain things yes so uh yeah i heard it on the daily which is a podcast put out by the new york times so it's yeah. a pretty credible source yeah it's, i'd call that credible yeah well, Sean, today we have startup auction strategies to yeah. uh, to present. It's that time of year when people might be thinking about that if they're starting up a new franchise league, a new salary cap or, league, or or they can go back and listen to this when they start start one up next year or the year after that sure, or whatever. It's useful information and at, at any auction, really. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it. A lot of it is uh, is specific to this kind of a thing, um, but not all of it has to be right. So yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's um, it's a good thing to do uh, right now when when we're uh, going to record a little bit early. So uh, it, this this stuff isn't going to change between when when this thing drops. So so uh, it makes some sense to do it now. Hey, I should tell you, and I'm re- really t- I'm going back to the UFO thing. Okay. <laughs> just just because I forgot, no, and I thought it was right. pretty cool. They have film of like Navy pilots. I want to say it was where they're watching this UFO. They call them UAPs now, like unidentified airborne phenomena or something okay. like that. But it's not um, alien persons. No. Okay. Uh, but they're like 
apparently this i haven't seen the video yet but apparently this thing that's flying low to the ocean like the surface of the ocean mm -hmm. is like disturbing the surface of the ocean oh, so there's like and you can see that apparently i haven't seen the video myself um and you can hear the navy pilots commenting about it uh on the video and they're just like you know, you can tell they're like, whoa, look at that. What is, you know. What they, the heck is that? Yeah. So I, I have to go find that video. I just heard heard that. I today. wonder if like, so since this is like, if it was some kind of like new military device being tested, either by our government or a different government, um, is that in the report, like suspicion that this is, you know, the Russians are doing this or the. Yeah, Israelis got this new thing that they're doing. Or... I mean, it's a suspicion. I guess a lot of the previous UFO sightings have been explained, or or yeah. that's been the explanation. Oh, like stealth aircraft and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So that could be a possibility. Let's... We're gonna we're gonna sound like like uh, like conspiracy kooks if we go much further. Let's do <laughs> let's do fantasy because right, I actually do, do know something about that. Well, let's do it. So so jumping into auction strategies here, the the most important thing, of course, as with lots of things in life, is preparation. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't yeah. just walk in. You can't walk in with your downloaded list of uh, players uh, the, and hope yeah. to do well at your auction. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Printing out like rosters of all thirty-two teams and just being like, oh, just yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody, I think, knows to prepare, but th there is there are some things I think. Um, there's some basics, like really basic stuff, like oh, know the scoring system that you're going to use. Johnny pointed it out to us when we had him on that for, for the mock draft. For the mock draft, yeah, yeah. is that uh, yeah? Remember, scoring systems matter, and um, and. Uh, so just that's just a basic thing. Don't print out a PPR list if you're not playing PPR, right? Um, right. Yeah, it makes a difference for sure, you know in who you pick for sure. Right. right. Uh, I'd say other things I can think of. It, um, so in this kind of format, as with a lot of dynasty formats, there's I think a wide variety of like flex options. <clears throat> and how deep your lineup goes. So I think you're going to want to be aware of, of like there's, you know, people talk about, well, there's the, 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 the top three tight ends and then there's everybody else is the same after that. Right. Yep. <clears throat> um, however, there's another break. I'm not sure exactly where it is, where you're not even getting like, you're getting minimally functional players. And, and, and that happens at every position. Like, the difference between a wide receiver two and a wide receiver three is pretty small, right? But when you get into like wide receiver six, is that the things start getting like pretty meager in terms of scoring. And I think you want to know if your rosters are deep enough so, so and your starting lineups are deep enough that where those players might actually play for you. Because I think that matters in, in terms of whether it's whether it makes sense to to go for a couple you know, big names and then just kind of get minimum salary people at the end because if those minimum salary people are really just non-functional players, then maybe that strategy is, isn't the best one. You might want to save enough so you can kind of get into that, that, uh, the next tier. Right. Right. And I've, I'm probably just saying this a little different way, but, <laughs> um, it, That's, we are different people. We can, we can do that. Uh, but to like lay out who, what's like the last running back you're comfortable with being a starting running back for yeah. you, and so you get your list of however many players that is, and then as, as the auction is going on, you figure out well, uh, there's only three of my guys left. I need one more of them. It just gives you a little guidance and as to how much you should should be spending on any on a one given player. Right. And so, like this is you, you, you're going to want to think about this in, both in terms of your lineup, but also just your roster size, um, because roster size basically I think dictates how much you can afford to kind of like get developmental players, and and whether you can have uh, with your rosters are so deep that you can, you know, it's a three-headed monster running back situation. Just get all three heads, right? We'll talk about some of that later on. If you if you have real kind of narrow or, or small rosters, you might not have the roster space to do something like that. So I I, I just know your rules, 
think about think about IR. Think about whether you have an IR. If someone gets hurt, what's going to happen? Uh, obviously, know how large your developmental squad or your taxi squad is, and what the rules are for that. Just plan that out ahead of time. Yep. Um, I would also say, uh, no, and this is kind of a rules thing, but like, how how does your league actually operate in like? functionally like in our auction that we have is everybody you got a slot you know based and it's based upon previous year's record but basically you you know throw players in a particular order and then you you cycle back through that list again and again and again and if you pass you're out. You can't come back into the auction. Like if it's your day. turn to throw a player out and you say, I'm not throwing anybody out, then you're done. You're done. Yeah. So it does force you when you get to like that, those last spots, you can't play the game necessarily of throwing out players you don't want because you might get stuck with that player. And then, there, so, well, you can, but it's, it's, it's a gamble. I've done it, but it's a gamble. Sometimes you get stuck with a guy you don't really want. Right. Um, so I think you should, people should be aware of how like the mechanics of your auction are going to work. Uh, someone asked um, on, on our, in the Facebook group, they were talking about doing a couple, like a hybrid draft auction and a couple different ideas that they had, whether they're going to like pre slot oh, right. yeah. picks. I don't know if you saw that discussion. I thought that was yep. an interesting discussion. I mean, of course I'm always like, no, do the auction. You got to do the auction because it is like the most epic experience I've ever had in fantasy football is that initial startup auction because everything was possible. And when you said pre-slot them, it was like um, there are a couple it was different like ideas. This, yeah. A salaries that predetermined salary, like salary for a particular. I think they were thinking of doing a draft. I think it was right. Right. And then having a salary assigned to a particular draft spot, or at least at some point in time transitioning yes, to that. The high, then a hybrid. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, it does. It will be faster. And every every league is going to be different, but you know, um, it was a good discussion about what the impact of that is and what happens if you <laughs> if you it's you you're, you've got a draft pick and none of the players you want to throw out there are in your mind worth the salary that you're going to have to pay. That that's a weird right weird phenomenon that could happen if it's not set up right. So um, I have some in terms of the throwing players out mm. like your order in that yeah I, there's some strategy around that for me okay one just very simple thing that i think is true at least it's been true in our auctions um has been the room tends to be cold early mm -hmm. so if there's a guy i really want uh and i have a, the chance to throw somebody out early i will often throw out throw out a guy that i really like so do you throw out so if, you, if you're dealing with a cold room do you throw out uh a guy that you want, but is not a big name guy, thinking that people are going to hold their money back for the big name guy that is available out there, or do you uh, throw out the big name guy and say the room is cold and now is the time to strike and get the big name guy? I don't know that the name uh, matters as much to me. I just throw out a guy that I want. If I don't know if that answers your question. It. it it does kind of, but I'm saying if you have you're looking at your list of players that you want, mm -hmm. and you have a choice, you have a choice between player A, who you want, and you know everybody in that room wants, mm -hmm. right? It, for some reason, you you so for some reason, uh, Zeke Elliott's out there on the free agent wire, and you just know yep. everybody's going to bid on Zeke, right? Okay. So, um, would you throw Zeke out, or you also have kind of like your sleeper guy? that maybe only a couple people are in on and you think, okay, I want this person. So when you have to choose between throwing out the Zeke versus your sleeper guy, are you going to be more likely to throw out the sleeper guy early thinking that people are going to not spend a bunch of their money waiting for the opportunity to bid on Zeke? Sure. I would probably lean towards just throwing out the big name guy. However, um, if, if it's a situation where um, I have a sleeper guy, let's say it's in the running back category and Zeke is available, using your example, mm -hmm. I, if I know... Let's say you're really big on 
Singletary. Right. Throwing out some, you just happen to think he's going to be really good this year. Right. I don't, um, but. I would throw out the big name early on as well, knowing that I don't have a shot. If my, if I'm don't have cap space or I'm right. getting low on cap space or something, I guess this is at the beginning of an auction, so this would be in an established league. But mm-hmm. if I go into an established league auction knowing that I don't have a lot of money, um, I will throw big names out early just yeah. to suck money out of the room. Right. Yeah, knowing that I'm not going to get them. Right. No, I, and, and I think that's that's that I think is we'll get into some of that the specifics of like tactics and I think that is certainly sure. a thing it, it, if you've never done a free agent auction of any type it's oftentimes good to throw out people that you don't want that you think other people want because then you're you're sucking money out of the room. The only reason why, why that would ever be bad is if the room is cold and then that first guy goes really cheap because I, t- I tend to think it just depends on the room but you don't want to be you don't ever want to be bidding on the last guy that's one of the things is like if there's like a tier well let's right, i was just well that was one last thing i was going to say is yeah. let's say there's three quarterbacks that i'm happy with mm-hmm. um i will for sure throw that guy out early because if anybody else needs a quarterback uh they likely will wait they'll be like oh i got two more quarterbacks yeah. that i can get so th- there's i like having the control of going early in an auction okay yeah, in our auction, you know, the people who go first are usually the finish who, people who finish last. So you've probably had that opportunity a lot. <laughs> Move along, Mister McGuire. <laughs> uh, okay, so oh, so but here, here's this kind of plays into that. So like, a, um, <clears throat> a lot of people I think don't. This is going to sound egotistical or not, but insulting maybe, but I don't really mean it this way. A lot of people, I, I think, can't don't help it. Yeah, I can't. It's just it's, it's hardwired <laughs> into me. A lot of people don't, I think, understand the economics of an auction. So I, 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 let me just say it as clearly as I can. If you're dealing, if you in regular economics, right, supply demand, right, there's a lot of products that are fungible. It's a word that I like to use that no one else uses, but uh, interchangeable, right? And so there's a supply, however many widgets you like, and whatever. These are unique things. So what that means is the market value is not set by how many people like this thing. The market value is the the minimum amount more than the person who likes that player the second most. So if there are 10 guys that like Zeke or there's like, here's a, if there are two people in your league that love Le'Veon Bell this year, and they think he's going to get 25 touchdowns. He's not even on a team. But let's just say that that is a fact, right? Yep. Le'Veon Bell's going to go for half your cap, right? Because there's two people. If 10 other people think he's garbage and pointless and probably should retire and whatever, uh, it, that doesn't. that's not going to affect his value. All that matters is that there's two. And figuring out who in your league, this is part of your prep, is know if you can – if you're in a league with people that you know, try to understand and figure out who they like, who they don't like. Any information you get, you're going to find helpful later on when you're trying to figure out, oh, okay, I like this player. I really, I'm really in on Zeke. Last week, I just said it. I, 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 I yep. said, not Zeke, sorry. Well, Zeke, I said well, Zeke, but I meant, Zeke I, in my mind, I meant Saquon. But, okay. but um, I'm probably higher on that than the average person. If there's one other person, if I know there's one other person who thinks similarly, then I know I'm going to be in for a battle to get that player. Um, so that's so that's it's hard in a league with with like 10, 11, 12 guys. Hopefully not eleven. That'd be weird. But <laughs> but ten, twelve guys or gals that you're you're um, you're going to almost always kind of run into at least somebody else likes that player. Um, so. Especially in a startup auction. If you're able to determine that, let's say you figure out one other person in your league likes Le'Veon Bell as much as you do, (laughs) what do you do about it? Is there a strategy for what to do with that information? I mean, I would just pay a little more. I would try to get that person to spend money on other running backs 
by throwing them out. By throwing out other running backs early, thinking, okay, so that person now has got two starting running backs. They're going to have a a, a lesser appetite for big money on a third, right? Right. And I'm sitting here, and so you you might – but that's always going to kind of be the – the uh, I mean that is frequently the approach, but I would I'm going to pay extra attention of whether that particular person that I know has the same interest that I do, whether they are have had that that roster spot filled by somebody else because they might they might be thinking I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have 25 touchdowns, but I also think Zeke is, and they've spent the money on Zeke and. Sure. It is a weird discussion that we're even using Le'Veon Bell for this example, but yeah. Right. But well, like, I mean, it proves could be Joe, just, say Joe Mixon. Sure. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned also, like, if there's a guy out there that everybody loves, he's going to go for half the cap. We've kind of figured out that doesn't work very well long term. Right? right. There were several guys in our initial startup auction that went for half the cap, maybe yeah. just a little more, bit under. I think some went for more. Oh, really? Yeah. I couldn't. Anyway, about <laughs> half the cap. Um, but but that's really changed in our league since then. Like that numbers come down over for the superstars. Time, so over yeah, and over, part of that's because you can acquire players in the rookie draft, right? And so if for way cheaper. For way cheaper. So, but that's not like those market forces aren't in place yet you're just trying to acquire players but it did take many years for some of these i mean uh whether it was barry sanders or we're we're really old people (laughs) emmett smith and uh those guys they stuck around that salary for quite a while because people had kind of built that into but then teams that um did better. Um, the two teams that came out of that initial auction looking really strong was, was my team and what later became Farhan's team, which is not Farhan didn't have it at the time, but, um, got kind of that their big, their big knocker running backs got them quite a bit cheaper, but still expensive. There were still 30% of the cap, you know, um and, and and get like an Eddie George or a Terrell Davis at that time, who turned out to be pretty pretty good, but then we're able to kind of fill out a little more depth. So that there. might just be a little bit of strategy there too, to maybe maybe it's let okay the to, CMCs go. It's okay to let yeah. I if mean, they're at half your cap, that might not be a good long term way to go. Yeah, I mean, or at least know that it's you know, if if it's if it's like if if I was doing a startup auction it would be really hard for me to go after jonathan taylor he's a guy that i think is good but i've already said i don't necessarily think he's like a a generational talent um but he's going to go for a lot so i mean i would i'd I'd make sure that he he didn't go for a bargain but um but i would be happy letting somebody else spend that money on him and i'd be happier getting getting players that, and I'll talk about that in terms of some of the uh, I've got some notes here on in like specific tactics but that yeah. that that is a so I, I would say you know that but I, so here, the last thing I'd say on this like preparation part of it I think is you have to know yourself so you have to know how nervous like auctions can be kind of nerve-wracking there's pressure right yeah so um, I before you so you, you prepare but part of preparation is like picking a strategy, so some something that you can kind of like fall back on. Okay, this is my approach. There's this heated, um, you know, bidding process, and obviously, if you're doing a, a slow auction, things are a little different. If you're doing it online over, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks, that's probably not as stressful. But um, but you should know who you are and and prepare accordingly. So if you you should have tactics. If you're a nervous person, you're probably not going to be comfortable bidding somebody else up on somebody, knowing that you might get stuck with the player that you don't really want. Um, but some people some people aren't afraid of that, and they're, they're they they uh, 
you can use that to your advantage. That's one of the things that we'll talk about later. Sure. And just uh, before we leave this section here, there's one thing I don't think we mentioned, but I brought up throwing out names I like early because mm -hmm. the room tends to be cold. Yeah. You also, the flip side is true. Uh, if you can wait, if you have that sleeper and save that, throwing that name out to the very end of the auction where some of your team or league mates have probably dropped out of the auction altogether. That's where you can find some really good deals too and get some oh. minimum salary guys just because no people are either out of roster spots or they're out of money or Oh there, there, yeah, there's that's like a whole thing that happens in our in our yearly auction where like people try very hard to be the last couple people in the auction that haven't dropped out yet because then you can pretty much just say any name you've been thinking up and then and and, and you get the player at the minimum and everybody else is like, oh, I forgot about that that guy, right? Yeah, so it gets uttered every year. It gets uttered times. every year, like, oh, you know, is he, you know, I, I sh the, there's a lot of like, ah, oh, shucksing, you know, it. Um, <laughs> and and I just think you don't have to go about that way. I mean, it depends. It, it maybe, um, but I'll just say so. Um, that, that but that happened in our startup auction. Um, I think that is just what happens at auctions is, is a lot of money goes, you get in, you, you get into these feeding frenzies over, you know, okay, everybody knows that there are, you know, five quarterbacks that matter and the rest of the quarterbacks don't really matter. Right. Okay. So the, you're going to see quarterbacks go and with that fifth quarterback, when no one really wants the sixth one, that fifth one might go for more than the first one right? Definitely. because, because, <laughs> It's it's like I can either get you know I don't know who the Justin Herbert or I'm going to be stuck with you know Ryan Tannehill. Right. I like Ryan Tannehill, but I'm just saying you there there, there there's going to be a perceived break between right. those players. So have your two, this is maybe getting into the ex execution section here, but yeah, um, have have your tiers set up. Yeah, know know where there's a talent break for least, you. Yeah, for and it might you. be and no. So there's two things. One so. Here's what I did before our first auction. I basically, and like this was before the days of the internet. So much is so much easier to do now. But like, I had every every player ranked, and then I, I had them broken into tiers. And I had an idea about what other people would think, but now you don't even have to have an idea. You can just look up look Dynasty, up ADP. Look up ADP. And that doesn't mean it's going to play out that way for your league, but you will know where you're different. For 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 me, we last last week, uh, you know, um, I I'm what did I say a, was a do. We that had was, a bunch of guys. That Joe Mixon. And, we like and, better than the general public. Right. Yeah. So that's a guy that I can basically say, you know, uh, I can target people that I know where I'm different than everybody else. Now, if somebody else is in your league, again, if one other person is also into that player, then it, it's not going to be a deal for you necessarily. It's not going to be as much of a deal. Yeah. But again, you're, it's only one other owner who has flexible options to think about in terms of where they're going to be bidding. It does, so it does matter a little bit just in terms of it's like it's it's a weird analogy, but it's like. If you're in in baseball, let's just say baseball because there's a lot of games. If you're like four games back, there's one consideration is how many games back are you, but another consideration is how many teams are ahead of you because not only do you have to catch the top team, but you got to pass all the other teams too. And it's a little bit like when there's more people who are interested in that thing, they there's more people that can decide that they're going to allocate their resources toward that player, even though ultimately it'll come down to two people every time. I don't right. know if that makes any sense. Um, so anyway, so yeah. Um, so for preparation for this, I would, you know, I would um, look at dynasty ADP. I would, I would try to, if you know people like get a particular magazine, do people still get magazines? <laughs> that probably not. <laughs> I mean, they're still out there. They're still out there. Maybe somebody stops at a gas station and there's usually like a two-page section on like Dynasty, and I've yeah. yet to see a magazine that does salary cap stuff. But you know, like it, I do think that that kind of 
helps a little bit if you're if you're hanging out with with some friends and you see him he's got a, a copy of uh whatever magazine rolled up you can be like oh, okay so that guy's reading that stuff or if you know who they follow on twitter or whatever um that can give you a sense of about what how people might be thinking about a player I, it's it's we are very kind of uh cloak and dagger about what we all like um except for this podcast <laughs> but since nobody listens to this podcast in our league uh but i think i and, and we we're, we're kind of sacrificing a little bit of that here to do the podcast as well but like i do think um it's part of knowing what what to expect out of different people. Sure. So that's a tier-based approach. It's helpful to know what your league mates might be doing. There's another approach you can take is the all-in approach. Yeah. And I would maybe be, I would count myself as a proponent of this approach. Okay. Um, Even though it's dynasty at heart, a salary cap league is. So people oftentimes think very long-term. Um. I still feel like the windows that you have in Dynasty or Salary Cap are smaller than people sometimes think they are. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want to think about winning five years down the road. I mean, it's nice to have a young core, but really I I want to be competing every year. I want to capitalize on um, the players that I have now. And this is and why I, think I said... Two, I think two to three years down the this road is, why is how I, said, I think know about yourself. things. Like, yeah. like if, you, if that's where you feel comfortable then then you should take an approach like that yes so that's going to change my strategy when i go to a startup auction where i am going to pursue some of those bigger superstars and maybe not be as concerned about age or the longevity of those players uh where i just want to amass as much talent as i can right now and the silver lining is if you face plant if those guys get injured you usually end up with with a high rookie draft pick and you can rebound from that. Like, you know, you don't want to come out of it in the middle. I think it always sucks to be in the middle. Yes. Um, Nobody wants to be lucky Pierre. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, so I, I do think that that is um, uh, I, for me, if I was doing that approach, I would look at what, like for running backs, I would look at who got paid by the NFL. Right, because I figured if if they've got a contract uh, from NFL team, they're gonna they're gonna have a, a, that two to three year window where they can perform under that contract. That's you're talking this the second contract after their rookie after the rookie yep. year. So so that's your Aaron Jones, your Kamara, your Zeke. Those are, are those are those are players that you can probably get cheaper than kind of like your Jonathan Taylors, yeah. right? The hot young things. The hot young things, right? So I would I would try to that's kind of what I would uh, that would be how I would approach that strategy. I would I would look for players who have a window um and uh try to win, right? Also the other thing is like honestly like our league has lasted forever. Not every league lasts forever. So sure. if you're if, especially if you're playing for money, like try to get your money early, right? And I think the same thing is true for receivers. You mentioned taking those slightly older running backs. Honestly, receivers peak later. They're peaking after age 25. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, if you look at the research, <laughs> maybe it's not research, but just look at the history. Like the year 27 through 29 for receivers is like their best years. Yeah. So and running be- backs are winding down. Yes. So don't be afraid of uh, picking up that 28-year-old receiver who probably has two, three years of good football, maybe their best football left in them. Right. Uh, if you're using this approach, um, the all-in approach. The all-in approach. Yeah. No, I think that's what you want. I mean, the the, the tricky, you're, the discounts you're going to be getting are going to be because people are undervaluing them because they don't have a 10-year run. And remember, in a salary cap league, you might not you're probably not going to get a 10 year run out of anybody because their their salaries are going to escalate. So, so that, so I kind of like that this approach in a salary cap league, a little more than like a regular dynasty league where you might be willing to be more patient. But if you, if you flip side, if you, well, if you, I'm saying is if you want to go with the, with the, with the, the building slow process, and that's who you want to be and and you want to play the long game, um, and you want to do something more like a, what the t- 
typical dynasty re rebuild approach, then yeah, you can. Um, I would say in that case, I would still not necessarily go for your Jonathan Taylors. You could, but I, I might go for your DK Metcalfs. I, so I would probably, in that situation... I, I, is that it, a, a position thing? Is that yeah, what you mean by it, that? I would go for your younger players at positions that will be more durable long-term. So I'd go get a receiver. I'd go get a quarterback. quarterback I yeah. might get a tight end. This is, you know, this is where you get a tight end that is pretty young. You get your TJ Hawkinson types. And and then, you know, in future drafts, you you can you go after the running backs. And that's kind of like a typical dynasty rebuild approach, but but I think you can you, there are players that you can probably find that are not the top tier people at those positions but are still young and still have a bright future. And and actually it's it's almost like a zero RB approach where you're just you're not really don't give a crap. If you get a steal at a running back, great, go get your steal, right? But but that that's the other, that's the kind of the flip side of the all-in approach, and um, you might find value emphasizing a different type of player. All right. And then the the last, I guess, strategy type thing I would say is this is kind of a what I call this is like a Farhan move. Okay. Is you don't actually try to build your team based upon how well you think they're going to perform uh it's based all on who you think has a good chance of increasing their trade value so if you're a wheeler dealer type and sometimes they, they, they go hand in hand but some some positions are going to have you know where, where the 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 leap in value could be greater like you're um you're you you might structure your list a little differently and and you're just picking guys that you think you can move, um, or you may, you maybe take a couple guys. That are, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But if you have two people in a in a in, a, in like a committee approach or, or a training camp battle, and you think one of them is going to win, if you get them both, you might get something of much greater value for, for the half that wins, and then the other half you don't care about. So it's 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 uh, you're just drafting with an eye towards who you can trade or maybe you go get some of those older running backs that um have some bloated salaries and thinking um well when it comes i'm if i'm not in the playoffs i don't care about whether i make the playoffs what i care about is somebody's going to need one of these running backs down the road and i'm going to i'm going to trade them that uh, for a playoff push at the end, and then I'm going to get draft picks, and then you're going to build that way. It's really a, like a stock market approach. Stock it's, market it's, approach. It's kind of like these sites that are up now for in in dynasty leagues where you can buy players and yeah. buy and sell teams, and that's what Farhan does. He, it's he's investing in yep assets, and, and then he tries to move those and gain value. And those he's always doing that. Yep, always doing that. And and uh, you know, and he doesn't necessarily like it when i say it, but he's like a he's like a shark where he yeah, you're, gotta, gotta you, keep moving you gotta keep moving or you die and that's and that's uh uh and, and i think if you're the type of person who's going to be doing lots of trades and very active that's fine you also have to re realize whether your league is populated with people like that who are willing to do trades with you if you're in a kind of a stagnant league or people who are kind of like not likely to trade that this approach isn't going to work very well right right <laughs> All right, should we get into some tactics, Sean? We should. Okay, so uh, you've prepared. You've you're, prepared. You're at the auction. You know your strategy, how yep. you're going to approach it. All right, now these are execution this is, bits. Then. This is when the rubber hits the road. How okay. do you, what are some specific tactics you do? Uh, this is where your, your scouting of your fellow, your league mates pays off, right? It, uh, yeah. it is. Uh, obviously, um, the first thing I would say is is and I, and some of these things are things we've already kind of discussed but like sure yeah bid it like bidding on players you don't really want right and put and bidding people up so I, I this is like a pushing the envelope how close can you push somebody <laughs> you know right with a straight face yeah player that you don't want knowing that that other owner needs that player that other owner has everything set and there's needs at least an RB2 and the last RB2 is on the board. You've already got your first and second running backs and you might even have your third running back, right? 
are you willing to push that person into overspending with a chance that you might, you know, get it? You might get stuck. With you that might get player stuck with that player. You don't really want them. And that is that is about who you are, and that is about what kind of risk you can you can do. I used to love doing this. Yeah. Uh, that's more your personality than mine. <laughs> right. That's what I said. You have to know yeah. yourself, but like, um, but the, and then, then the other owner, if they don't have know what you want, sometimes it's very, I, people very convincingly told themselves that they thought they knew what I wanted and they were like way wrong. Right. And I, I'm happy to use that. Yep. So you have to, it's just, that's just a risk tolerance thing is, is, um, you know, I mean, you're kind of doing something for the rest of the league. It's not just for you. So on a risk-reward basis, it may or may not be worth it. Um, but you could come out a hero you could, like, to your league. You could, but you also... <laughs> but you, But you also... But, like, that, that owner you're bidding against, you might be competing with that person for a playoff spot. or yeah. and And the fact that they overspent on such and such a player... Um, means not only can they acquire another player, but they might not be able to trade that player later on because other owners are going to be like, "Why do I want to? Why do I want Calvin Ridley when you've got him at sixty percent of the cap? Right. Like I can't afford that player." So that's just, that's one way to just push in the envelope, suck some money out of your uh, your your league mates, your opponents. It does make it more fun. Yes. Too. there is that. There is that. There is that little bit of excitement uh, that you get. Um, when you're doing it, I will say that. And then there's also the tracking tracking money. Go into yeah. your auction knowing how much each team has to spend. This is the Bodhi. This is the Bodhi approach. Or how much they have left to spend. This is the Bodhi approach. He is the bean counter. Uh, that way you know. Like There was one season, I remember, again, this wasn't startup, but everybody in the room knew how much I, money I had because <laughs> there was like a series of guys where I bid up to what I had left. And yeah. then... And then stopped. So pretty so, soon. So the, so the, the people started like, oh, Tim's only got $2 million, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. So probably not the greatest uh, strategy on my part that year. But uh, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You bid till you so are out of money. But. So this is a weird thing. Like this is now we're going to I'm going to go a little off script here. Do you think there are any ethical cons- so Let's say you're the bean counter, uh-huh. right? You know, I have. Two million dollars left. You know that, right? Yep. And not because I've just bid the last three guys up to two million dollars, because you've got a spreadsheet and you know how many players I have and you know whatever. So you yep. got that down. Is it okay for you to announce to the whole league Sean's only got two million dollars left? Um, because I have yeah, a very I mean, clear answer in my head. I'm curious what you, your answer you is. have an answer. I, yeah, I have a very clear. I answer. don't think it benefits the bean counter for one thing. I personally would not be comfortable doing that myself, sharing the amount. Do I think it's ethically wrong? Um, and are there ethics to be involved? Is it a whole other topic? Are there right. ethical considerations well, we in do. fantasy football we, auctions? We do. We have had some, some arguments. We've had some arguments. <laughs> um, so ethically, I don't know. I mean, I think somebody could say that. They, they could always be wrong. Like, you know... You know what I mean? Like, just because somebody says, oh, he's got $2 million left doesn't make somebody right. Yeah, and it also doesn't mean that you might not be able to do it. So he's got $2 million. I only got $1.5 million. It doesn't matter to me, right? Yeah. What's your answer? I'm curious what you were thinking. <laughs> My answer, and this is this is the lawyer in me probably, uh, it is absolutely ethically uh, appropriate to do, and I would encourage everybody to do it. <laughs> and the reason is... The reason is the reason why it benefits you as the bean counter uh, <clears throat> is because ultimately you're trying to make sure I sorry you're the bean counter I'm the person you are trying to make sure that I don't get any bargains and if people know that I have two million dollars left they're gonna throw out a player and and they're gonna they they might push that player up to one point nine million dollars knowing that I, I will bid two million dollars and then that'll be the end of it and then they can then they can wash their hands and i i think ultimately it ends up propping up values for everybody and to the extent that everybody's values get propped up it benefits me as right. the as the bean counter it benefits the bean counter so i would so i i 
I don't feel like there's any ethical considerations at all about that. All's fair is, is in, in love and war. This is there's no kibitzing rules. Like it, you know, I'm just sharing my information and my research. And I could, in the same way that if someone's bidding on, you know, uh, uh, Antonio Brown, I could be like, you know, he had 18 touchdowns last year. And yeah, and, that's and been the sort a source of we consternation. Yeah, people really. do that kind of thing, and like you know, and 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 you just. Um, oh, he had 18 touchdowns last year. I'm going to bid a little bit more, and that's. I feel sure. like that's. I feel like that's part of the game. Sure. Another thing we can do. Another another tactic here. If you watch a couple of uh, league mates get into a bidding war for a particular position through several several players, um, and you want to suck some more money out of the room, go ahead and throw out another player from that position when you get a chance. Yeah, this is the read the room uh, tactic. Is is basically auctions like have vibes right uh-huh. i think you can feel certain things just like in a like old school like regular fantasy football draft you know they have runs it's the same kind of a thing where people start thinking more about this particular position and they're going to start throwing uh those players out there so I, I think it's a good idea especially if you don't need one of those things is to is to is to throw is to basically when it's your turn to throw something out there, throw something out, throw out red meat that you think people are going to go for. Right. Um, I think that's uh, that's that that's just paying attention to what's going on in the, in the auction. Yep. All right, and then uh, one last strategy or tactic we have here is to go after players that might emerge as the starters. So those training camp battle situations. And actually acquire both halves of the battle. Or all three, if it's in a three. Yeah, if you've got deep rosters especially, yeah. Yeah, because, and here's the reason why. If they're involved in a training camp battle, they're going to be cheaper. People aren't sure who's going to emerge as the winner, so they're not going to be willing as much, willing to spend as much. Um, When one of them ends up winning, you have that starter, and you have them at a good price. Now, Depending on your league rules, if you can cut a player without penalty, that's yeah, that, that's, that's tricky. I I think that that is that's the only uh, um, you know asterisk or whatever I'd put on that. If your league basically says if you sign a player, you have to keep that player for the length of his contract or something, then I I would probably avoid this approach. Yeah, it might not be a great approach for those. Unless leagues. you've got crazy deep rosters and you can be like, so what? You know, I've but then you know, but if you have a situation where yeah, if you get if you, like some of the like here's some some um, Chase Edmonds and James James Conner, right? Or you, you both neither one of those guys are going to be priced as if like a Joe Mixon, somebody who's going to get every single carry, right? right? But if one of those guys, if you think in that situation somebody's going to re- emerge as a seventy percent time back, um, and you're paying basically fifty percent value for both of them the one who you're paying 50% value for and he's getting 30% production, just cut that guy. And the one who gets 70% production, you paid 50% production price for him. Now you got a bargain. Right. And I think that, that is, um, I think that I actually, I think that that's a really good strategy. If you have the ability to cut people is don't be afraid of those situations. Now the risk is what if they're just actually in a share time situation? Sure. What if it's J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, where I don't know, there's probably, I don't know that somebody is going to emerge as the whole the whole enchilta. Get the whole enchilta, yes. Yeah, if I you don't don't, don't, know, don't know what that's about, you can listen to last episode. <laughs> or another good example, Singletary Moss. Like, I don't think it's going to end up being one person getting most of it, but Rojo Fournette. I think actually, he he. I think Arians tended to kind of. He didn't really split carries. It was usually kind of like this guy, guy or, or this. Yep. Then he would fumble. Then it'd be another guy. But but you never know. So those those are kind of the situations. That if you think if you think it's going to end up looking like that, that's where I would try to. Um, I would. That's where I try to get deals. Yeah, almost every year there's a tremendous value or two that emerges from one of these situations, and a lot of times it is at running back. Right. So yeah, I think that's a good strategy, like you said, Sean. As long as you're not penalized for, um, for cutting a player. Yeah. 
All right. Well, there's probably more strategies to be had. Those are the ones we're going to bring up today. And this is actually, if you, this is a great opportunity for for people who um, to join the Facebook group and and like toss out different ideas and different strategies. Like we might come back to this topic in future years, and we just try to give you some ideas and on, on what these things look like. Um, you know, uh, if you're, if you're considering starting a league and what's the auction look like, someone asked me how long they take. Do you remember how long our first auction was? It would cover every, it was, it was 12 teams and roughly 15 players, a team. So you can do that math, like 170 players maybe, but yeah, I think it was like six hours. Yeah. I, I, that's what I was going to throw out there. I don't, remember for sure obviously it was a long time ago but i I would say it was probably about six yeah and it's in like you think you're going in the beginning part of it and it seems like it's taking forever but when you get to the end these players are all going for the minimum so then it's a lot it works a lot like a draft at that point in time and things can move really fast so um uh so you know if you're considering doing this i've got some ideas on, on how to how to do it as how to win your auction you know but but uh, uh, do it, and then if you go to the, if you you can ask other people what their what their approaches are, and and our group, and I think you'd get some good responses. Yep, for sure. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us and supporting this independent podcast. Coming up next week, we have Dr. Bjorn Westgard joining us. We're gonna talk through some injuries that happened last season and maybe lingered into this off season. Uh, just get some insight into what that might mean for these players in the upcoming season. Leave a rating and review. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down to the bottom of the show page, and you'll have an opportunity there to select your star rating and write a review for the podcast. It doesn't have to be long. It does not. And uh, we'd love the feedback. We'd love to know what you think about it um, and what you might like to see in upcoming episodes. You can leave it right there. Uh, Sean mentioned the Steel Pod Facebook group a couple times this episode. Join up there. There really is some good conversation, lots of good questions and stuff thrown out there. I'm on Twitter at Steel Pod. I'm at Steel Pod Sean. And we will be uh, looking forward to next Monday with Dr. Bjorn Westgard. That's Until right. then, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Steel. Join our community on the Steel Pod Facebook group. And follow us on Twitter at SteelPod.